Hello, my friends. This is life coach Mike Trugman, and welcome to an episode of Mike's Search for Meaning. I'm after some big questions. Why are we here? What makes a fulfilling life? How can we grow individually and collectively? Each episode, I'll dive deep with leaders who are doing great work in the world and see how they organize their life. Books read, value systems, resources used, and stories that show how each of you can create the life and the world of your dreams. On today's episode, we have Adam Parker. Adam is a former tech executive who transformed his career from corporate business-centric living to health-centric living and now specializes on mind, body, health optimization and corporate executive coaching. His coaching and consulting services combine biohacking, cutting-edge science technology, and wise traditions of ancestral techniques. His clients include CEOs, executives, and partners from some of the world's top big tech firms, fintech companies, and wellness brands from the UK, US, and all across Europe. He supports them with nutrition, meditation, biohacking, productivity hacks, and corporate wellness programs so they can have it all. A healthy personal life, productive work life, to uh, live their ideal day every single day. And on this episode, in this conversation, we cover all things nutrition. We, we get really granular. And this is a conversation that I really want you to focus on the show notes because we might cover some things that are a little unfamiliar, but they are important. So things like oxalates, anti-nutrients, gluten, gluten's familiar, of course, but lectins, phytates. And uh, we, we didn't take as much time in the conversation to stop and describe all of it. But the overarching theme of the conversation is that a lot of the common knowledge out there in nutrition, so stuff that's propagated by all the mainstream is uh, it's very one size fits all. We think that there's one way to eat and there is the optimal diet. And the optimal human diet actually varies from person to person. We're all bio-individual. So the, the main takeaway from this episode is that you have to become your own advocate. There isn't one way to eat, but there are some tried and true principles and there are some successful ways that you can uh, integrate concepts into your life. And so we get into all of that and more in this episode. We also talk towards the end, we talk a little bit about books read, uh, personal development, meditation and movement. So this is really a crash course on how to live your ideal life from a health perspective. So take a deep breath in. and enjoy this conversation with Adam Parker. Adam, welcome to the show, man. Mike, it's an absolute pleasure, mate. Really looking forward to the conversation and it's yeah, it's great to be on the show. Awesome, man. So um, I'm looking forward to diving into all things wellness, nutrition, mm. how do you nourish yourself? But you and I both know that a lot of what informs the way that we are usually starts in our childhood. Mm-hmm. And I'm interested to know what was the dinner table like in the Parker households when you were growing up? Oh, I love that. That's a great question, Mike. So 
very traditional style family so mother well, I mean, there were four four of us right so there was a lot of energy around the house uh mum was a full-time mum dad went out and and earned the dollar as it were and what i loved is is we were very big on family values right so we did sit around the table occasionally we'd sit in front of the tv but it was it was round the table conversation how was your day and and i i loved that and it's weird and even things like um saying grace right when i was younger i'd be like oh god oh, saying grace <laughs> but you know as i've as i've grown up and i've you know matured into a into a young man i realized the value in saying grace is giving is you know it's showing respect and gratitude towards the food you're about to eat being thankful so very traditional setup and you know one of my favorite things is when you know all of my brothers and sisters you know we're all grown up married children now but when we all get together we sit around the table and we the conversation flows and we kind of it's weird how you you revert back into those characters that you were as a, as a child so i was like the funny kid right so um yeah as a kid big on very traditional always around the table uh i think saturday night actually was we we could watch tv like it was like a tv night right uh but very traditional and i'm really grateful for it and you know as i move into starting family it's definitely what i'm going to do uh for my children yeah i mean one of the things you touch on there which I don't see discuss enough is the kind of like slowing down and appreciating where the food came from and connecting with the experience of eating, which I think maybe we'll get back to at a later point in the conversation. But I'm, in, I'm more interested right now in the nutrition component. I could I could sense there was good family connection happening. But what like what types of foods were you eating at the dinner table? And what when did you start to become more conscious of what you were eating and and having a, I guess more of a tie to the nutrition components of your food? Yeah, so I would say that we we always ate well as kids, right? So I think like a, a treat was we'd go to McDonald's like once a month type thing, right? But everything was home cooked. And what I would say is that what's interesting now, and and, and I'm sure we'll jump into my diet and, and how I view nutrition however the diet that i eat is completely different to the rest of my family and actually they think i'm quite extreme in some respects but what i would say is the foundation that was built growing up eating food that was freshly prepared so i had a great foundation a great starting point right so there was no fried food there was no processed food it was all you know your vegetables and yeah you know, your, your standards kind of healthy setup right and that for me was a great foundation or a springboard into getting more curious into, okay, what, what actually is the optimal human diet in, in my eyes, right? So yeah, it was, it was healthy. It was, it was nutritious. It was stable meal. The, the, the only meals I would say when I'd go to school, uh, when I was a kid, you, you'd have school dinners, which I'd, I'm, I'm assuming in the US, like here in the UK, they're terrible. So, yes. so I'd eat well at home, but when I'd go to school, it was, it wasn't the, the best, but um, no, I would say an amazing foundation built in terms of my nutritional values at home. Uh, and that was definitely a springboard into being more curious into how can I continue to eat well and evolve. Mm. 
It's really interesting because I think a lot of people, when they start eating healthy, it comes from a place of pain, probably that they're maybe they want to lose weight or there's a digestive issue. Something is not going right. And it sounds like in your case, it was just something that was cultivated from a young age and you didn't even know another. I mean, it's not that you didn't know another way. I'm sure you had friends who weren't eating the same way that you were, but Mm. you had a natural born curiosity because your family was already living a way that you felt congruent with is, was there a point in time that you felt like you got sidetracked and lost sight of that? Like, was there a pain point where you said, I need to get back to living a nutritious life and eating foods that nourish me? Or was it just always something like things are going really well, it's working for me, I don't really need to fix anything? Mike, I've had so many pain points, it's not even funny. <laughs> <laughs> Let's dive into those. Yeah, man. So no, definitely, definitely. I, well, firstly, I've always been curious and eager to learn. I've always been just asking loads of questions and, and always wanting to just evolve my thinking, right? And as I said, amazing foundation at home with that fresh cooked food. But listen, when you hit, you know, 18, you're independent, you're going out, you just, yeah, you definitely revert to eating crap food, right? I remember I traveled around Australia when I was 18 and I just ate McDonald's every day because it's interesting when you're young, you're invincible and you think, ah, it's fine. I, you know, I can deal with it. Um, but no, the, as I said, great foundation at home, but where did this real drive to understand nutrition come from? It came from pain. It came from digestive issues. I mean, some real digestive issues. It was indigestion and it would impact your mood. And that was kind of around, I would say like my university days, just coming out of university and, and, you know, what I thought was a healthy diet actually really kind of wasn't. And again, that's a blend of, you know, what the, the, the media tell us is, is good for you. Uh, and what you just assume, for example, you know, I would never question vegetables ever as in they are the Holy grail. Right. And, but then when you start learning about anti-nutrients and how to prepare the food correctly, it turns out, well, some vegetables aren't great for you in a certain fashion. So if you're smashing down raw spinach, all day, every day, that's not going to be great because it's full of oxalates and that can cause people a lot of issues. People get kidney stones, et cetera. I never had kidney stones, but, you know, questioning things, I never questioned like, oh, can't be vegetables. It's the holy grail. They're the most, you know, they're the healthiest thing ever. So yeah, going through pain and having digestive issues, which not, it doesn't just impact your digestion, it impacts your energy, your mood, your kind of aura. Uh, I, yeah, I started questioning and, and learning and, 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 you know, I think the biggest thing was to question everything. It's like, well, is all vegetables healthy? And like, again, they are healthy, but if you go a little bit deeper and you understand about preparation, um, you know, that's a really important thing. Even with like, uh, you know, how do you pre- prepare nuts and all these different things. And, and, and the, most people don't know this information and they just think blanket, all vegetables are great. Do not question them, you know? So, uh, no, it definitely came from pain. And I, I remember where I, I, I would end up, I heard about fasting, right? And I was all oh, fasting's the thing. It's this, this is, this, this is the thing. And I, and I was doing loads of fasting, which is again, good for you, but I was doing it because every other day, my digestion was so bad. I just needed to rest it. 
Um, and now luckily now I'm in a space where that isn't the case, where I can eat every day if I like, I can choose to fast if I like. But I, yeah, I would say naturally curious, but a lot, you know, it does evolve from pain points, right? Where you 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 just think this isn't this isn't the best solution scenario for me, right? I'm not feeling great, digestion's not good. So yeah, I think it's the natural curiosity. And then it was my digestion is really in a bad place. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of people can relate to that. And I'd be curious to hear what resources you turn to, because I think I know in the US and I think in the UK, it's probably the same. When someone is in a position like that, we put physicians on the ultimate pedestal. Like we would turn to a doctor, a medical professional to help us with that. And at least in my experience, I've had a lot of frustration. Like I didn't have serious digestive issues really for most of my life, but there were times where I would go to a doctor, they would give me five minutes of attention. They heard I was eating tomatoes, let's say, and they would say, okay, yeah, just, just like cut that out. Like there's acid in tomatoes and you need to cut that out. And I know that you're a fan of this. I've become my own advocate. And I think everyone needs to become their own advocate in a way but that can be a really overwhelming experience because we put so much faith in these doctors who are so schooled and yet they, at least in my experience, again, there's a little bit of an undereducation around nutrition. They're, they're too focused. There's a lot of different factors. They have too many patients. They're focused on one specialty area instead of having a holistic view. So I'd be curious to hear what resources you found most helpful in igniting that curiosity and, and making the changes for yourself. Yeah, man. Well, listen, I think I think you're you're being very kind about uh, allopathic doctors. I think they have zero nutritional <laughs> information. I, think, I, I hear like in the US, they do like three hours training. It'll be something similar here in the UK. Now, listen, allopathic medicine, I think, has its place 100%. If I break my arm, I'm going to the hospital and I'm like, fix me up, right? But for anything else, hand on heart, I, I would not go anywhere near them na- now in my life. Now... It's important to understand that as a kid, I was conditioned that the doctor knows best. I go to the doctor. The doctor is is the almighty physician that knows. And that's, that's conditioning. That's conditioning of culture, right? And going through the journey that I went through of trying to, um, you know, improve my health, I realized I had to change that paradigm. And the first thing was to take complete responsibility for my health, not to outsource it not to go to a doctor and be like, please sort me out so I can then just crack on with my life, right? Because I think we're, we're trained to look at this authority, these authority figures, we're trained for convenience. Give me the solution and I'm out the door. That had to completely change. Whereas I was responsible for my health 100%. And these physicians were just another tool in the toolbox. So if I wanted to use, I mean, in the UK, the NHS, it's free. So it's a tool, right? I don't have to pay for it. So that was an important shift for me because um, normally when you go, I don't know what it's like in the US, but you go to the doc, the GP in the UK, the solution is normally here's some antibiotics mm-hmm. for everything. I mean, it doesn't matter what you've got. You know, you might be like, so you're saying, oh God, God I'm having issues with tomatoes. Oh, antibiotics. That was the, literally, that, that's, that's all they do. Or like go um, get gas X or some over-the-counter thing that'll help with digestion. Those, those are both very common answers. 100%. And, and essentially, it's masking symptoms. It's not solving the root cause, right? 
So then the challenge is you, you have these issues and you're like, well, I don't know what the hell to do. And when it comes to deciding the route that you want to take, right? So I decided um, allopathic wasn't for me. Functional medicine was. It's about root cause, trying to live as natural as possible. Now, the challenge is there's so much information out there today. You've got to be very, I, I think, flexible. You don't want to get stuck in a camp. You don't want to be, I'm the keto camp or I'm the vegan camp. Or, you know, I, I realized sitting in camps restricts you. Uh, but you, you have to go on a journey to learn and educate yourself. And I think you have to really tap into your intuition, right? Because there's so much information out there that is so convincing. So if you didn't know anything on nutrition and you watched the game changes, you'd be like, oh my God, I've got to eat plants all day and meat is the worst thing ever, right? And it's so convincing, the psychology in, in that film. And it, it, it's a great production. So you, you, you've got to continue to educate yourself. And do you know what? I think when I started my journey, I, I, I saw a, a film called A Knife Over Forks or Forks Over Knife. It's, it's, it's an old school vegan propaganda film. And I watched it and I was like, oh, fuck, this is it. This is, I've got to eat plants all day. Because I didn't know, but I continue to evolve and 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 learn. And yeah, the more I learned, the more I realized, you know, what made sense to me. And look, I, I would say, listen, if you're taking responsibility for your health, if you end up being a vegetarian, a vegan, a carnal, it doesn't matter. You're, you're taking control of your health. And that's a that's a positive thing. And also everyone's different. Right. So what my diet works for me i'm not saying it works for everyone mm -hmm. and actually you know i i don't my personal view i don't think veganism is is the optimal diet but it can be for certain individuals based on genetic makeup etc so i'm not saying it's not a diet that can work but as i said i i, I never prescribe a specific diet i always think there's there's a there's a framework that you can follow there's right. certain things you can do, right? I don't say this is it, don't eat that and eat this. I think there's there's a framework or certain principles that you can follow that I think anyone can follow and, and it can bring health. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's two directions I want to go from the place that you've very nicely teed up here. And one of them is, so the principles or the foundations, I think there are some tried and true characteristics of a healthy lifestyle a nutritious diet mm. and i would love to hear like the frameworks that you think are most useful and then as we go through that and it becomes more about your bio individuality not the term that you use but that one that i'm very comfortable with in that we're all different we're unique we need to eat we need to become in touch with what's working for us and not necessarily what what works for someone else and i want to know after we go in from the broad strokes, like what works optimally for you? And then we'll go through like fermented foods and grass fed and nose to tail eating. Cause I, I really admire the way that you like dive in there. And another area that I'll, I'll put a pin in as a complete aside is mm. how do you do that while still being a social person with like all of your friends who think it's crazy that you're eating like that. I'm really interested in that. But we're going to start with just broad frameworks, like someone's coming to your door. They're saying, I don't know a ton. Yeah, I, I know what the government's put out there. I know the food pyramid. I, fruits and vegetables are great. They, they might even have a little bit more knowledge than that. But where would you start with that person for like, what's a good framework? 
Well, I mean, first and foremost, do not listen to any government approved <laughs> most things if I'm honest. So the food pyramids, you know, I'm sure your listeners will be, you know, fairly educated on it, but it's it's the it's the wrong way around, right? It's like eating to eating like grains and it it just doesn't work for the an optimal human diet. That's a, that's another route we can go down. But essentially, I would say not just the government, but the mainstream media, if you do the exact opposite, you're in a good space, right? So for example, when it's like you see an advert on TV, low-fat yogurt, do the exact opposite. Literally, do the exact <laughs> opposite. Anyway, so uh, general principles, right? And and a lot of them's common sense, but it, it, it's worth kind of just highlighting them. The first thing is when people want to change their diet, they're like, oh, I can't do that. I can't, no, 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 I could, I, no, 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 I can't stop eating that food. And that's not them talking. That's the microbes in their gut talking, right? So what people don't realize is we are controlled by our microbes and the cravings you get, you, the emotions you feel um, are all driven by these microbes. And when you start to remove certain foods out of your diet, those microbes will start to diminish and other microbes will start to flourish, right? So you lose those cravings and those emotional hangups you get around food, right? I remember, man, I would be like, oh, I, I, deserve a, I deserve a chocolate bar today. I really do. I've worked hard. And I, you know, I justify in my head and you'd have like two minutes of pleasure. And, and then, but again, it's, and then you feed, you feed the cycle. And it was very, I was very a, an emotional eater. Mm. So anyone can make changes and anyone can, you know, you know, addictions are quite aggressive word, but a lot of people are addicted to certain foods and they don't even know it. And they, you know, you, when you question, hey, why don't you try remove uh, bread? Like, what? You can't remove bread. It's like foundation. Like, you know, they'll argue all day with you because, it's, you know, they, they've normally got an addiction. there. So anyway, let's look at the foundational points. Right. So firstly, look, we live a the, the 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 money is in the processed food right so that's what's pushed all day long you go to a supermarket it's just all of the food that is of low nutritional value and highly processed is bright colorful in your face right and then you look on the you look at the ingredients and it's like as long as your arm right and i mean really simple rule of thumb if it's got ingredients that you don't recognize don't eat it i mean mm -hmm. An apple's an apple, right? If say for example you buy apples in a bag, the ingredients are apple. It's yes. pretty simple, right? It's pretty simple. So, you know, anything that's processed will be uh, void of nutrition, and the chemicals that are in that food as well aren't going to be beneficial to the body. You got to understand, even though we're in this modern age, we are, our kind of machinery is the same as it was hundreds of thousands of years ago. Nothing's changed, right? So your body, if you eat like a steak or an apple or whatever, your, your body recognizes that at a genetic level. If you're eating a Twinkie or something like that, it, the body's like, what is this? I mean, look, don't be wrong. It, like they make it highly palatable and it's like, you know, pleasure in your mouth, but the body doesn't recognize it and the body can't utilize that energy ends up normally storing it as, as as fat so keep it simple if it's super pro and here's the thing right i i'm i'm quite strict on my diet but you don't have to be you know if you, i would say an 80 20 or a 90 10 ratio is fine 
Um, because if people feel like it's when you start out, people might think it's restrictive, but eventually when you move across into diets that are more suited for uh you know who we are as as you know as as, as actual humans right like what our ancestors ate you don't feel there's restriction you don't feel like oh my god i can't eat that it, it changes to i choose not to eat that and i can but I, I just feel great where i am so avoid the the processed food at all costs and i know that's challenging because again it's like here in the uk got deliveroo and you've got uber eats and it's just it's part of culture now. Hey man, let's get takeout. And I understand that. And we'll jump into that, how I deal with that within my community. Um, so avoid that. And then it's like, well, okay, cool. So then what should we focus on? Uh, natural whole foods, right? And when I say natural whole foods, people then just think, oh, like grains and plants. And like, when I say whole foods, it, it, it's not just the plant world. It's also the animal kingdom, you know, a lovely grass fed steak or organs in then again in their natural state you know you've literally cow's been killed it's been chopped up it's been you know it's it's kind of matured for 30 days on the shelf there's not a lot been done to it right so you want to try get to as natural as possible because that's what our bodies recognize so that's really important then you've got things like we we live in a carb culture right everything and people don't even realize like when i talk to people about they're trying to lose weight and i'm like oh so what okay cool so what 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 are you having they don't realize how much carbs they're having they're like wow yeah I start the day with with my oats you know and you know nice fruit and i'm just and i'm just thinking carbs 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 and then they say and, and then for lunch you know a bit of pasta and i'm like carbs upon carbs but again it's just, this is just the culture that we've been brought into right it's just it's on tv it's it's everywhere it's in movies it, it, it looks healthy, right? It's like, oh, well, I'm having oats and I'm having fruits and, you know, so it's it's understanding that we have to really have control over our, our carb intakes. Now, again, the keto world is like, um, I hate carbs and I won't go near them. No, carbs are a very important part of the diet, right? They are very important. And even though there are no, there's no essential carbohydrates, you know, you, you, have, a, you have essential fats and proteins, but there you could in theory not eat carbs but i don't prescribe to that i think carbs are important an important part of the diet now the types of carbs are important um so avoiding you know we talked about anti-nutrients earlier so certain plants have anti-nutrients um gluten lectins etc phytates so you want to avoid plants or carbohydrate based plants that could cause you know digestive distress the easiest one is grains right gluten it, it can cause a lot of drama and actually if you go back to ten thousand years ago when modern agriculture started i think the average height was like six two and then within a couple of hundred years it was like four foot eight or something because of the introduction of grains and what that can do to your health so <clears throat> uh carbohydrate intake is important I, the way I do it is I have kind of carb days and, and kind of lower carb days, right? Because carbs all the time, it's not good for your blood sugar. It's not good for your energy. I mean, for me, my genetics, if I look at a carb, I put weight on, right? But that's not the case for everyone. So that's really important, understanding carb intake and, and, and your ratios, right? So really what we want is to have, I would say, um, probably equal protein and carbs and then slightly more fat right 
and that's quite easy because if you think if you're having a steak the protein's there but there's 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 a there's a lot of fat in in that in that steak mm. um so ratio so carbohydrates we've got to really hone that in i think in general focusing on fats good fats so people think fat will make me fat fat is really important uh, the right types of fats are really important so again saturated fat is demonized again flip it around saturated fat is so important to health it helps you build cholesterol it, it essentially lubricates your nervous system um it keeps you satiated it's got packed full of minerals like saturated fat is where it's at right and then you've got other fats like monounsaturated which is in olive oil and and avocado again amazing but when we think about fats that makes me fat and it's bad there are fats that you should avoid so these poofers these polyunsaturated fats which you find naturally in nuts but here's the thing you, you'd have a handful of nuts and then you, you're good right but in all these seed oils so like canola oil and all of these processed oils having that that level of fat in that amount can be very detrimental and then obviously we know trans fat so stick to the saturated fats the monounsaturated fats i put an emphasis on saturated and you will you will be in amazing shape you won't you won't be fat at all but if you have these processed fats which essentially and ironically is in all the processed food that's when you start to retain and store body fat and and it it ruins the body and then i would say mineral intake and and salts and again there's there's good salt and there's bad salt so table salt processed refined all the nutrition stripped out of it it's not good salt and that's why in culture we think salt's bad but if you get some nice natural salt so redmond's real salt over in utah um you've got uh, celtic sea salt some really good salts and they they are super good for the body full of electrolytes it helps the body function we are ultimately we're electrical beings and we need uh salt to to keep that process uh churning and moving uh so again salt are really important and and a good quality water uh is also important so yeah i think they're my general gists in terms of foundational things uh but that you know when it comes to saturated fat you can have it in many different forms, right? You can, you can do coconut oil or you can do meat or you can do organs. But again, the, just going back to the ratios, I think it's important and everyone's different. But again, I think it is important that you do have carbohydrates, but I think it's reassessing your relationship with carbohydrates because I think, you know, most people that don't, haven't been on this educational journey don't realize how many carbohydrates they're, they're taking in each day. Yes. Okay. I want to underline a few things. So that was a, that was a crash course on like all things, <laughs> all things nutrition. And I want to underline some of the key takeaways I think people can run with because you, you had, there's a wealth of knowledge in there, but the distinction between healthy fats and fats that aren't serving us, the polyunsaturated fats are that you named are like grapeseed oil, canola, I think soybean is probably the top, the top one in the U S mm. it's an incredible, it's used in almost every single processed food. There's sunflower, safflower, basically any oil that's used in packaging versus the oils that we want to, or cooking butter, like butter, things like that, that we use that we want to move towards are like grass fed butter, 
grass-fed ghee, coconut oil, avocado oil. Olive oil is good. It better as a dressing because it, it oxidizes when it's used at too high of a heat. And then I would love to hear specifically carbohydrate wise, what are maybe the five that you incorporate the most in your diet? Because that's another area where people really demonize it categorically and say you should stay away from all carbohydrates, but vegetables, fruits, and there are some starches that I incorporate in my diet that I, I feel pretty, I feel good about eating them. I would love to hear like some of your favorites that you're eating. Yeah, man. Do you know what? Again, everyone's different and depends where you're on your journey. So if you're trying to reclaim your health, most likely your gut is in a bad spot. So you should build up your, your, your gut um, to be more robust. And for that, you, you want to remove a lot of uh, certain types of carbohydrates. I would say as a general rule of thumb, if you remove all grains, you will see a huge improvement in not just digestion in uh, blood sugar energy just across the board brain fog brain fog everything right and it's not just his thing you know bread has its place and if we go back hundreds of years ago we used ancient grains so now the grains that are used now to make bread they're genetically modified so that they've been basically created to grow quickly have the best yields they don't care about oh there's more gluten in it or whatever that there's no concern about the health implications of uh the bread they're selling it's all about money right so bread at some point in our culture hundreds of years ago was, was probably eaten every day and it wasn't as disruptive as it is now because just remember right 20 years ago there was no like gluten intolerance there wasn't even a thing 20, oh, probably 20, 30 years ago, it just wasn't a thing. And now it's everywhere, right? And that's because the diets, the lifestyles that we're living. So generally just removing grains, I think is, is a win for everyone. And I know that can be difficult because a lot of people are addicted to breads and, you know, it's not just people will think, oh yeah, bread's fine, but it's pasta, it's cakes, it's wraps. Like grains incorporate a pretty big part of a, of a normal diet, right? You could even say oats. I mean, that if it falls in the grain family, right? So removing those straight off the bat, you'll see amazing results in weight loss and, and digestive improvement. Now, I'm not saying you can't ever go back to those foods. Uh, when I eat those foods, again, I prepare them correctly. So, you know, if I'm going to have some, uh, some bread, it will be sourdough bread and it will be prepared correctly. You know, or any type of grain, I'll ferment it myself and, uh, you know, and it's, it's easily it's you know it's pre-digested essentially when you ferment we can jump into that mm -hmm. um but generally what do i eat that is our staple carbohydrates right so i'm big on uh like the squash family so butternut squash or pumpkin potatoes occasionally now there's a really good uh book it's called the specific carbohydrate diet now it's it's old and actually the gaps diet if anyone here has heard about the gaps diet it's written by natasha campbell mcbride she built on the work of the specific carbohydrate diet and essentially what that means is when you look at carbohydrates their their molecular structure is different so you have all different types of carbohydrates you've got, you've got obviously like lactose which is uh from milk and it's and you've got all these different types of uh, carbohydrate structures, right? 
and certain carbohydrate structures are easier for the human body to digest. So if you've got a, a ruined digestive system, if you're having these more complex carbohydrates that are hard to digest, so grains, for example, they can really cause havoc. So uh, carbohydrates that are really easy to digest are fruit, for example. Uh, you've, you've got squash as well. They're really easy and you know the, the, the people with digestive issues can absorb and digest them uh, pretty well. Starches can be more challenging because starches can feed bad gut bacteria. So as I said, if your digestion's great, things like sweet potato, um, no problem. You, you know, you can, you can enjoy them, but it can cause people um, issues. So again, I, I remember when I was eating loads of sweet potato and having digestive issues, like what's going on? Like sweet potatoes, like God's gift. Like I can't ever challenge the sweet potato. Right. But I didn't realize because it was a starch. It was, you know, my, my, and my, my constitution was not in a good place. It was causing me issues. Right. So yeah, squashes, loads of fruits, and occasionally I'll have grains, right? So what, what could that look like? That could look like white rice. Going for whole grain rice, again, when we talk about um, anti-nutrients, uh, not the best food to have. I know it's sold in as it's whole grain goodness. There's a, there's a reason why the Chinese have been eating white rice for the last 5,000 years, right? They clearly had the opportunity to have brown rice and they decided, nah, we're going to do white. So occasionally I'll have, I'll have that as well. And yeah, the, the, the big thing is just prepare the food correctly, right? So if it's bread, it's sourdough, um, you know, if it's obviously you, you have to prepare starch, you have to cook it, you have to boil it. You know, you couldn't just, just grab a potato like an apple, right? So really, we'll have an emphasis on how you prepare your food. But the easiest food or, or carbohydrates that you don't need to really do anything with is fruit, right? You can just grab and go. And fruit, I think it's a bad rap within the health community. It's like, it's pure sugar. No, it, it, it is sugar, but it has, it has its place, right? And actually, it's half uh, fructose. So it gets digested by the liver pretty quickly. So it has its place. I'm not saying you smash down fruit you know, with every meal, but it has its place. Um, and I'd rather people have some grapes than having like a chocolate bar, right? Because it's it's more in tune with nature and our bodies are more likely to recognize what those foods are. So the gut has come up a couple of times now and the microbiome, something that I know you can speak very well to. I want to hear if we dial it back a little bit, like an explanation of the microbiome. What is it? I think some of my listeners are probably very familiar with it. Others are just being introduced to it. So why is the micro, what is the microbiome? Why is it so important? And then I want to hear, because I, the first time me and you connected, you were telling me about your fermentation station. Yeah, yeah. I want to know how you, it's like a very easy thing to do within your own household. So what's the importance of fermented foods? And then how in your own house are you able to ferment your own foods? I know it's a, it's a long question, but uh, it kind of sequences out in a way that makes sense to me. So I'll let you take it from there. Love it. So the microbiome is, it's the foundation of health. Microbes rule the world, right? Microbes are everywhere. They're not just inside, you know, we, they're not just inside us. 
So within our, our intestinal flora, we have micro, our microbes all over us, doing our eyes, our nose, our skin. Um, you know, they're out, we're breathing in microbes right now. There's microbes everywhere, everywhere, right? And they rule the show. They, they, they impact our emotions. They impact our decisions. They have such an impact on how we operate, right? And that's why I talked about when people don't want to give up bread is because the, 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 the bugs, the, the microbes in their gut are the, the dominant kind of strains are we love bread and you will, you, you will eat bread. And if you don't, we will give you cravings and it will make you feel terrible. Right. That's how powerful they are. They, they impact your emotions. So it's really important. You have to, you have to understand that, um, you have more microbes in you than you do cells like you the microbes rule the show right and i think again we go from an allopathic perspective it's all about <clears throat> bacteria we've got to kill the bacteria and uh then it will go away the microbes within your gut it's very similar to and i would actually before i jump into this this comes from natasha campbell mcbride and her work so the gaps diet definitely buy her books but microbes within with our gut is is like a forest it's like soil there's not just bacteria there's protozoa there's fungi there's there's um there's there's everything in there there's parasites they're all there and they're all part of a system an ecosystem that works right so when you're in a when you're in a jungle there's an ecosystem there and everything has its place similar we, we will have parasites within inside us, but they are there and they have their place. Now, when there's an imbalance within your gut flora, certain species will thrive. So if you, you go to the doctor and he's like antibiotics, and you take loads of antibiotics, what will happen is the bacteria in your gut will be diminished and then opportunistic bacteria will grow and uh, fungi will grow. And, over, and that's when you get imbalances and that's when people have issues when people have uh, heavy metal toxicity that normally means parasites go crazy because what you find is parasites again part of an ecosystem they love heavy metals so if you are heavy metal toxic you're going to have parasite issues and you think oh my god i need these parasites to get out of me but they're there trying to help you and i know it's a bit of a, a bit of a backward way of thinking but you know, the, these ecosystems evolve because they're, they're trying to do the right thing. But ultimately, by doing the right thing, absorbing these heavy metals, if they're parasites, it's causing us other issues, right? So the microbiome is really important. We have to learn to cultivate and look after our, our microbes because they, they rule the show in so many ways. What, what's crazy is how powerful microbes are. So when, when there's like an oil spillage, right, in the sea, they happen, you know, it happens rarely. And then you see on TV and you see like the little birds covered in oil and all that sort of stuff. Sad images. What they do, they, they throw in essentially uh, bacteria, microbes that eat the oil. That's how they get rid of the problem. And it's crazy, isn't it? I did so, not know that. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's, it's nuts. Like microbes are insane so let's let's look at fermented foods right because obviously when we first connected i was like i'm a big into fermentation so what does that do right i just want to interject for one second and then i yes. want to pick right back up with fermented foods something that you were really pointing to just now is that 
your microbes, essentially whatever you're putting into your body will kind of just want more of it. So if you're right now hooked on eating bread and eating processed foods, then you're going to be convinced that that's what you need because your, your microbes are telling you, I want more of that. I want more of that. Yeah. And if you're able to create the distance and are eating healthy and are nourishing your body with what it actually wants, your microbes eventually are going to adjust. And those cravings that seem like they're impossible to get over just naturally diminish. And it becomes, some people sometimes ask me, like, how do you lay off of all that stuff that like, it's so, it's so easy to consume. And I don't think people understand just how much like, I feel shitty when I'm eating that food. I don't, I don't want to feel shitty. I, I enjoy what I'm eating. I like eating this other stuff. And that's because my microbes have now, I, you know, maybe they're not learning, but I'll, in my language, they've learned that these other foods are serving me more and they want more of that. So I just wanted to like put that in there. And now I want to hear about, cause I know fermented foods are so important in restoring the gut and nourishing the gut. So yeah, we want to hear about like what's the importance of fermented foods and then your fermentation station. Yeah, man. Well, I, I would say your microbes have evolved, right? So mm -hmm. what's happened is you've, you've removed certain foods. So the microbes that basically thrive when those foods are coming down into your digestive system, they no longer have their food source and they start to diminish. And in its place, the microbes that love eating meat vegetables and all the healthy stuff they start to proliferate and and you know and just overtake right and yeah honestly microbes impact everything your mood your energy it, it's insane how how much influence microbes have on us and we don't even realize so when it so fermentation is is really important right so again we look at ancestral diets they all had some type of fermented food right and actually, before the modern day refrigerator, right, we would ferment foods to preserve it. So that's how we had good gut health, because it is the only way we could store food, right? Because we had to be ready for the winter. And, um, you know, it was just the, how we evolved and worked things out over generations. So fermented foods. We talked about our, we have a community of microbes inside us, outside of us. And when we have fermented food, we can help that environment flourish, right? And I got into fermented foods uh, along my journey, being curious. You know, you hear about these things and you can go to like a health food store and buy a tiny jar of sauerkraut for like 10 quid 10 pounds which would probably be like 20 dollars most likely in the u.s it's, it's like that's ridiculous how much that is so i started making my own so i started making sauerkraut and any so this is lacto fermentation you can ferment any vegetable so carrots um cucumbers which obviously make pickles and essentially what it does is you ferment vegetables in an anaerobic environment. So it's completely submerged underwater for, you know, you could say a week to 10 days, depending on, on what, what you're fermenting. And that basically creates uh, an environment where loads of good beneficial uh, bacteria are, are created. Alongside 
uh, more nutrition. So if you ferment cabbage, which is obviously sauerkraut, the amount of vitamin C in cabbage is 20 times higher. So the, the amount of vitamin C in sauerkraut is 20 times higher than cabbage because that, that nutrition is released through the fermentation process. So eating fermented food is great for adding uh, additional microbes to your gut. So it's great for gut health. Also great from a nutritional perspective because that fermentation process uh, unlocks a lot of the nutrition in these, uh, in these foods. And for me, it's, you know, all things in moderation. It's just, it's just a staple. So it's just a condiment size amount, um, maybe once or twice a day. And yeah, it, it's so easy to ferment your own foods and you will see huge improvements in, in all areas of life when you're having fermented food. So again, along, here's an example along my journey when my digestion wasn't great, I couldn't digest food. So I ended up, you know, um, having digestive enzymes and, and stomach acid, so betaine, and I needed it at that, at that point in my life. And then when I discovered fermented foods, just didn't need any of it because what happens is there, there's enzymes and um, it helps with your stomach acid. So it, it, it does what all of these pills would do for you. Um, so it's great for digestion. It's great for the, your, your microbiome. It's great from a nutritional perspective. And again, it's what our ancestors have been eating for a very, very, very long time. And it's just through modern culture that these things have, have, have kind of been knocked off because, you know, it ain't trendy to uh -huh. be like, you know, munching down on, on, on sauerkraut, right? Obviously you get those like boutique sauerkraut kind of makers at like a farmer's market, but within culture, it's not seen as something that is, is essential, but it has a huge impact on your health when you just incorporate them uh, into your diet. There's a really good one for your listeners to check out uh, a lady called uh, Donna Schwenk, and she has a podcast called cultured food life. Um, you should definitely connect with her as well. And um, she's all about ferment fermented food. Very good yeah. resource to check out. I actually uh, yeah. listened to that episode of yours and I, ah, yes. I tried uh, kefir for the first time yesterday. Oh, fantastic. How'd yeah. And so I'm, I'm really excited to incorporate that into my diet. So I want to, I want to, and I'm sorry for interjecting here, but I, I do want to hear more about fermented foods, but I also want my listeners to be able to very clearly, I want to give them like a step-by-step -step layout of how they can buy cabbage from the grocery store like what jar are they putting it in? What, like, are you putting water in it? Are you putting salt in it? What, what allows it to be fermented and how can they do it at home today? Firstly, it's super easy, right? And what I would say is I, 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 there's a really good uh, YouTube video that I'll send you. You can put that in the show notes for your listeners. But essentially, you don't even need to buy organic cabbage because I buy like the cheapest cabbage that has pesticides, herbicides, and why do I do that? Because the microbes eat all the, her, the, the pesticides. So again, it's, we talked about they, they eat the oil in the sea. They'll also eat all of the pesticides and, and, and fungicides, all that, all that sort of stuff. Buy a standard cabbage, you chop it up so it's fine. Put some healthy salt, so regimen real salt on the cabbage. Then you really you start to then grind it with your hands or, or mash it. And then you would stuff it into a jar. And what you find is the salt draws the, the, the moisture out of the, of the cabbage. So 
as you're stuffing it in the jar, you can see there's like a, a water level being created. Um, and then you need to uh, create an airtight seal. So you normally need to put like a weight uh, at the top of, uh, top of the jar and then seal it. So what happens when it starts fermenting, it starts releasing carbon dioxide. So you need to have uh, the ability for the, the gas to be released, but keep everything under the, the water. So the, literally I got my stuff off eBay, right? If you just Google fermentation equipment, you need a certain, you know, big enough jar, uh, make sure the jar has a lid that's uh, big enough to fit these fermentation uh, kind of lids so the gas can escape. And then you just leave it. You put it in a, in a, in a, like on top of the counter in the kitchen. And normally I think sauerkraut's two weeks. Uh, if you do kefir, make your own kefir grains, that's like a day. Uh, fermented carrots is normally like 10 days. They all have different times. And what I would say is start with one, sauerkraut's the easiest and just, you know, view it as a hobby, just evolve and just try new things. And you'll definitely notice like improvements in, in how you feel for sure. Yeah. Another one of my favorites, which I've never made before, but is one of my favorites is kimchi. And that's very also easy to buy at a grocery store and also has a foundation of cabbage. There's onions in there. It's not the tastiest for most people, but as Adam has already articulately pointed out, it's just so important to nourish the microbiome. So if you can get one of those every day, sauerkraut, kimchi, kefir, what am I missing? I think those are the big three. They're the big three. But I love a bit of fermented carrot. It's, it's lovely, man. Um, you, can, you can also do kombucha kombucha yeah um, you can make your own i've made my own but it's just you can get some really good raw um kind of natural kombuchas nowadays and again they, they taste just like a soda drink they really mm -hmm. do but that they're, they're they're really healthy for you so um yeah and then and then the, the powerhouse of all ferments is is kefir and yes. again the, the best way is to buy your own grains uh, buy raw milk and and ferment your own and then you can double ferment. So you ferment, then remove the grains, and then you'll put in a, whatever you like. I mean, I would put in bananas and then the, 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 the microbes in the kefir will then eat the sugars. So you double ferment, which then like 10 X is the nutritional value in, in the kefir. So yeah, the, the, the world of fermentation is, is, is vast. View it as a hobby. Um, start, start simple. And there's, there's loads of benefits to your health when you can incorporate fermented foods into your diet. Awesome. Yeah. I'm going to point my listeners to all of those resources. Cause I think if there's like one takeaway from this episode, it's just start incorporating fermented foods more, yeah. but before we move away from food, cause I want to know about other ways that you embody a healthy lifestyle. I know it's not just the food that you're putting into your body, but there, there was one more thing that I'm really curious to unpack with you. And that is the distinction between grass-fed meats and conventionally raised meats. And I don't think people understand just how vastly different it is. And I would love to hear why grass-fed is so much better than conventionally raised. And then the different meats that you incorporate in your diet and why those are at least for you, I know it might not work for everyone, but why do they work so well for you? Yeah, love it. So there's a really good saying, uh, you are what you eat, ate. If 
it's a bit different here in the UK. So I know in the US, the food standards aren't as, as robust, right? So uh, I think they, they feed your cattle whatever they want, right? I mean, mm-hmm. probably, probably like... Classic uh, wrappers. It's, it's a lot of junk. It's really disgusting. Yeah, <laughs> probably Skittles and God knows what. Um, but if you think about, you know, if you, you need... if you, The healthiest type of meat is eating an animal that is eating their natural diet, right? So a cow eats grass or herbs and just whatever they can find, right? They don't like eating corn. That's not, you know, they, 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 weren't, they didn't evolve to eat corn. So what happens is when you eat an animal that's living off its natural diet, it's going to be a higher quality of meat and a, and a better product. If they're eating uh, a diet that isn't their natural diet, so like corn or whatever, the meat quality isn't as good. And again, you're essentially it's it's a transference of, of of energy, right? So that they're eating the grass, the microbes in their gut are fermenting though those that that grass, which then creates a lovely saturated fat. Um, that same process isn't the same if they're eating like corn, for example, right? So yes, you want to do in the US. I know it's grass fed and grass finished. Yes. Again, that's a distinction because they can be grass fed and then they're finished on corn. Here in the UK, the food standards are pretty high anyway. I, I always get my meat from like a local butcher, right? Where it's the animal welfare is good and they're fed the right food. But you, here in the UK, UK, you could still go to supermarket and get the red meat here. And it's it's not that bad because there's, there's certain foods they can't be be fed. I think they, they can eat corn, I think. But anyway, I, I go for the highest quality meat. Really important. Because again, the ratios of the fats are important. So even things like chicken, right, or or pork, if they're fed a conventional poor diet on a farm, the 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 ratios of the fats are different. So what you tend to find is they are more polyunsaturated in their fat content, more PUFA, which we know is not great for us, right? So you want to eat chickens that are just scavenging around and so when i so again we talked about uh, the gaps diet and dr natasha campbell mcbride she has a farm here in the uk i stayed there and worked on her farm and her chickens just are they just scavenge all day and the meat is like red it's like red the chicken is red it's it's insane it's like it's like yellowy red color because it's because of what they're eating they're just they're scavenging and eating bugs so you can tell the the ratios of fats will be completely different. They'll be more towards uh, kind of a saturated fat content rather than polyunsaturated fat. So it's really important to pick meat that is grown in, in, a, in a good environment, so good welfare of the animal. And also they're eating what they're designed to eat, whether that's grass, if you're a cow or, you know, bugs, uh, if you're a chicken you know, because then that manifests into the quality of the food you're intaking, right? Yes. And then I would love to hear what specifically, and this could segue into just your ideal day in general, but what's, what are the meats that you're incorporating most in your diet? And I would also love to hear what's a normal, typical day of eating for Adam. Love it. So, you know, we talked about earlier, like the, the diet I now eat, you know, is seen as a bit a bit odd uh, from my family, right? And my family, as I said, gave me an amazing foundation. 
but again i did my research and like right what's what do we what foods deliver the most nutrition right and uh can make sure that i thrive the most and that is is animal foods right meat fish eggs and dairy so i eat them every day on every meal now what what is the powerhouse in terms of nutrition it's organ meats the powerhouse you think about like africa and there's lions on the plains and they kill a gazelle they're just going for the for the liver and the organs and then they leave the muscle meat hyenas you tuck in right so <laughs> that's where the nutrition is now again in culture organs are seen as a bit gross and a bit you know too much and i don't like the flavors again if you evolve your eating and you go off these high palatable foods you'll find that liver is sweet and and just a joy right but when you're not really into it you're like oh my god it's just like slimy and blah blah and also when you start eating so again so i'll eat liver i'll eat heart oxtail tongue um bone broth so you boil the bones uh i have relationships with local farmers and i literally say i'll eat anything i'll try anything once i ate like i ate uh, the nose of a cow once i just wanted to try it i was like can you get me the nose he's like the nose i was like yeah i just want to, just want to try the nose so i ate the nose and it was okay you know um i've eaten everything i've eaten testicles uh everything right i, I i've eaten brain uh, and again, I know it sounds a bit like, oh my God, that's, that's a bit much. Again, it's, it's a journey, it's a process and you, you just be curious and open. Similar to with ferments, I'm just, I'm curious. And ultimately all the nutrition in, in an animal is in those parts of the animal, right? You know, now it's like we throw the organs to the dogs and we eat the muscle meat. It used to be the other way around, right? Mm -hmm. A couple of hundred years ago, we'd eat, the, we'd eat the organs and we'd throw the muscles to the dogs. So that's where the nutrition is. So for me, it was a no-brainer. That's what the nutrition is. That's what, what I'm going to eat. And what you tend to find now, I'll buy like uh, a cow heart, big old thing from the farmer's market. And my body knows intuitively how healthy it is now. So now there's no like, oh, this is a bit much because the body knows this is such a nutritious meal. It's good for you. So now I, I have no issue with, oh, and kidney. I love kidney. Now I have no issue with, any of these meat, any of these meats, handling them, cutting them, cooking them, because that's where the nutrition is. Uh -huh. And again, it's, it just, I'm the, I keep it really simple. What did our ancestors eat to thrive? They ate organ meats. And that's, it's as simple as that. So I incorporate that uh, every single day. And then in terms of how I eat, I'm, I'm constantly in flux. I'm always evolving, always changing. So um, I was doing two meals a day, for probably a couple of years, I've now evolved onto three meals a day. Um, again, always within a tight window. So my, my feeding window is within eight, sometimes 10 hours. Uh, but I'm constantly just evolving and trying new things. So uh, I used to do like a black coffee and then have two uh, lunch and dinner. Now I'm starting the day with a smoothie, right? Again, full of healthy fats. I'm just evolving. I'm just trying things out. I'm, 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 never, I'm never like... You know, like they say, the science is settled. Is that no? It's uh, not. Uh -huh. Science, science is never settled, right? And and my evolution in how I look at health is never settled. I'm always trying new things. So right now, as of literally a month ago, I'm now doing three meals a day. Now I'm just seeing how it works. Will I change in composition or energy? I don't know. And if if I if 
it doesn't work out, I can just revert back. But what I would say is through the journey of cleaning up your diet and eating higher levels of fat, you you know, when you get that metabolic flexibility where you can you know, either burn ketones or, or glucose, that's that foundation. You can, you can do whatever you, whatever you like. I could eat, I could, I could go proper like old school traditional and do like five meals a day. You know, I would never do that. Like keep your metabolism running. Like that's obviously debunked, but I could, if I, you know, I, I could probably do it and get away with it now because of my uh, metabolic flexibility. I won't do it, but you see what I'm saying? So yes. that foundation is important. So right now it's three meals a day. It's normally like a smoothie in the morning and then, then lunch and dinner will be meat heavy or animal-based heavy, you know, so meat, fish, eggs, dairy, uh, fermented food as a condiment, sauerkraut, or whatever it may be. And then, um, you know, carbs will be targeted. So I normally go carb heavy in the evening. Uh, works for me. Again, it works for me. It may not work for everyone else. And I'll, I'll have higher carb days versus others. Uh, and yeah, get your vegetables in, uh, important prepared correctly of course um but for me the nutrition is in the organ meats and in meat in general so sometimes i'll just have a, a beautiful grass-fed steak there's so much nutrition in that it's not even funny it's crazy right uh so that's that's where i am with my diet currently always evolves i mean right now i'm not i'm, I'm I've, give, I've given up caffeine so i'm i gave up on november the first uh, just to test myself. So that's, that's, that's why the smoothie came in. Right. So now I'm doing three because technically a black coffee isn't a meal. There's no calories. So yeah, but at some point caffeine will come back and yeah, we'll just see how we, how we get on it. Co but constant evolution. Is your girlfriend on board with that? And are your like, when you are with your friends, do they eat in a remotely similar way to the way that you eat? Uh, girlfriend's on board. She's into health as well. And she understands just how my mind works. Like she, I'm just, I'm, I'm inquisitive and creative and she, she's cool with it. We, we always eat together. We sometimes don't prepare the same food because I'm, I'm again, she weirdly, when I met her, she was a vegetarian and now she loves organ meats because again, we, we did the research as like, this is the optimal diet. So she eats organs with me, not as much. A, I eat more than her, but B, I probably eat more. Like she, she'll probably have like organs once a day. I'll have them with every meal. <clears throat> so that's not a problem. And then when it comes to friends and community, right? You know, if you pick a good, good friend and good community, they're okay. They're like, you do you, right. you know, um, you know, they, they, they're, you know, they're, they're, they're inquisitive. They're like, oh yeah, you, you like a lot of meat, don't you? And I think some, most people I would say, they don't really, uh, not most people, I would say the average person doesn't really think too much about, you know, they, they, they're, they're told what is healthy and they don't go into really understanding nutrition and they don't have to, right? Because some people are fine. I had to do it because I, I had challenges, right? Um, but when it comes to like eating out and going to restaurants, you know, I'll normally ask, well, where are we going? I'll have a little look at the menu just so I know what, what to get so I'm prepared. Um, I mean, funny enough, I haven't touched alcohol in two years. So I would say that's more of a challenge because, you know, especially the UK, it's, a, it's, a, it's an alcohol culture. But again, if you have a good community, they're accepting and they're like, you do you. 
and um you know i just make sure that if i'm eating out i try well i i stick to my principles right so i'm not going to be like oh there's another menu i'll just get like a a pizza you know again there's i said there's nothing wrong with with you know once you've got to a good place occasionally jumping into those foods i i choose to stay away from grains the majority of the time um but no community is fine as long as they understand and, and think they're inquisitive half the time they just want to know what you know and you explain things and it's entertaining and it's all about realities right so people i could sit down with like a family member a friend and say have you heard about anti-nutrients or blah blah and they'll listen and then they'll be like okay that's a reality i've just learned but i can i can just go back to my own reality of i don't really think about that and i just live my life right and, right. and, and you can apply that to anything people just just you know if it really resonates with them they want to know more and they want to learn about that sort of stuff. But if their guts are in a good place and they're, they're happy with their weight, they'll listen and be like, okay, yeah, useful information. And I'll just continue to live my life and do, do what I was doing, you know, and there's, there's, there's no right or wrong in that. Um, yeah. But you tend to find people who are, le- who are searching for answers. They'll listen in and they'll be like, so what does that do? And where can I learn more? Well, good for you for no boozing for two years. That's commendable. It, it's something that I, think about sometimes is, is that my, I don't have a dependence on alcohol, but I would love to be able to go to a wedding and just not have any drinks. Like that would be, that would be fun for me to be able to do that. Mm. So you're an inspiration, man. I'm going to keep Thank that you. in in mind. What, I what do. I would, what, what I would say, Mike, is I didn't plan to do two years, right? I, uh-huh. I, I, I planned to do three months and then obviously COVID hit. And I'm not saying I won't go back to drinking. I, you know, I'm, I'm actually engaged, so I will, will partake, right? What I would say is it, it's definitely been a growth experience and it's, it's maybe challenged certain ways of how I do things. And, you know, it's been, it's been really enjoyable. I will go back to occasionally drinking on a, you know, when, when I feel I need to. Right now, I'm still loving the streak of I've hit two years and I want to keep going. Uh, but it makes you evolve as a person because yeah, you're right. You go to a wedding or you meet up with friends and, uh, you don't have that, that kind of lubricant to get you into a certain space. So you have to evolve and adapt and, and, uh, you know, harness your minds. Cause you, you, you honestly, you can get to those states that that elevated state manually, but we just don't know how. Right. So yeah, it, it's an interesting experience. It's been a growth experience. And um, yeah, I'll definitely go back to it at some point. I will have a different relationship in the long run. Being a Brit, big booze culture here, right? So I used to drink like three or four days a week. And then you probably have a big blowout once a, once a week. Uh, so that, that will never happen again. I won't go back to that. But it's, it's a good experience to go through. Even, uh, again, two years sounds like dramatic, but even if like anyone was like, right, I'm going to do, I think three months is a minimum to really test what it does to you and your life and your friendships and how you feel about yourself and, you know, the, you know, whether you are emotionally attached to, cause I, I realized it, it, I've never had an issue of alcohol, but it covered some things up. I was annoyed. Oh, go and get, go, go, go get drunk. And then all of a sudden you're like, I'm annoyed. Oh, I can't do that anymore. Oh, I've got to sit and address this feeling. So it's interesting. It's definitely interesting. And yeah, uh, yeah, I, yeah, I never set out to do two years. 
Amen. Yeah, no, it's good to just start out with a, a goal that feels more tangible or reachable. But with removing alcohol and even to a certain extent removing caffeine, it's, if nothing else, it's a powerful reminder that the things that we think we need in our life or that we feel dependent upon, and you could say the same about fasting too, which we didn't really go into, but when you realize you don't need a meal every single time you're hungry, you don't need to reach for a drink every time you're feeling a feeling that you don't want to feel, and you don't need to have coffee to start every day, you become just such an empowered person. Even, you know, health benefits aside, it's just mentally, you're, you're telling yourself, yeah, I could, I could do this shit, I could do this thing. And there's, there's just inherent in that there's so many gifts, but I, I, As, think, I think it, I think it's about learning to think for yourself, right? Because I think yes. we're, in, we're all indoctrinated into a culture. So obviously, you know, you guys rule the world, right? So we, everyone's familiar with American culture. It's like, you know, you come down in the morning, you get your coffee and you get your cereal and, and all of it, like we're, in, you know, we're indoctrinated into a certain way of thinking that you've got to be eating the whole time. And, and then when you realize there's a completely different reality, you can fast and not eat at all and it's fine or you don't need to eat cheerios every morning and you don't you can have a life without grains and wheat it's a paradigm shift and it's it's stepping outside of uh you can call it the matrix as it were because just living a normal life like the normal things people do um and yeah when you go beyond that and you realize oh wow i don't need that and i, I can thrive without these things and it's like a whole new world of of health that isn't is never discussed and it's not it's it's quite fringe it's quite different it's a great journey to go on and actually weirdly when you just go on that journey of understanding fasting and different foods and blah 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 it, I, I think it changes you in so many ways like your mindset your mm -hmm. values because here's the thing right you know a big thing is we you know there's there's a real victim mentality the average person plays victim all day long and they don't even know they're playing victim because that's all they know that's that's what they've been indoctrinated into doing it's in movies it's everywhere it's like oh poor me right and i was like that 100 100 i was a victim because i didn't know you go on this journey you realize about self-responsibility and no victim mentality and you know and it then you realize and the funny thing is you go on this journey then all of a sudden you you reflect back on friends that you haven't seen in a while that haven't gone on the journey and you're like oh my god we are so different now like because you, you've just taken a different path um again there's no right or wrong it's just understanding that we're born into a reality um that you know it's like a fish right the fish is in water it doesn't know it's in water it's just this is what you're born into right but there's there's alternatives to that and it, and it depends you know it, what it's whatever draws you there Normally it's pain, right? As we discussed, it's like life isn't working out for me. And then you, you just go on this hunt and, uh, you know, that, that's what it was like for me. Right. And yeah, yes. you discover so much more. There's so many, there's so much opportunity out there in terms of how you can think and feel and, and be. Well, as we move towards the back end of our conversation here, I want to discuss the other areas in your life, maybe sleep movement, breathwork, journaling, any other areas that have been most instrumental in you becoming the best version of yourself? What are the different 
things that you would point listeners to focus most on outside? Obviously, we've covered a lot about food already, but the other areas that you would point listeners to focus on for them to optimize their well-being and to be the best version of themselves. I think overarching is you've got to learn to be disciplined. And when I say that, in order to get the benefit out of anything, you, you've got to make it, make it a routine. So I think about meditation, right? I do meditation Monday to Friday without fail. I always have the weekends off. So in my mind, I'm like, God, I did it every day for the rest of my life. This is too much. Right? <laughs> but Monday to, Monday to Friday for me is fine. So I, I get up every morning and the first thing I do is I do a, a meditation every morning. And you need that discipline because if you just sporadically do things, you're not going to see the results, right? So I think foundational, having discipline and learning to just stick to things and don't make excuses. Um, so meditation, number one, I think that's really important. Uh, it just keeps you calmer, lowers your stress. I mean, it's, there's so many benefits to meditation, so many benefits. Exercise, movement. I'm a big gym guy. I, I just lift weights. I, so I, I do, right. If you think about cardio, I'll do a 10 minute warm up on the bike to warm up my heart rate, but I just lift heavy stuff. And I think that's again, so many benefits hormonally, energy wise. Um, so what's interesting is I, I recently had COVID. So I had, uh, I think I've had it two or three weeks ago. Right. And I would say it was like a flu. It was it it wasn't a drama, but I didn't leave the house for a week. I didn't exercise for a week, and I really I, I remember there was like a day where I felt really just miserable. I was like, oh my god! And I never I'm never I'm never miserable. I'm always upbeat, optimistic. And I, I was like, why am I feeling like? And I and I started like coaching myself. Why am I feeling like this? And I was like, well, you haven't done any movement. You haven't walked. You haven't lifted any weights. And it reinforced to me, like these non-negotiables, meditation, lifting weights, doing them five days a week keeps me in such a good mental space. And it's like that, like that's just my default. But if I don't do those things, I won't feel the way I want to feel. So it really hit home to me. Obviously, I couldn't do any, I, you know, I had COVID, so I had to, I had to chill out, but it, it reinforced, wow. I have to, these practices, I have to stick to them because I get, I'm my best self when I stick to those practices. So meditation, uh, weightlifting is important. Uh, getting morning sunshine. So mm. underrated, man. Sound, and people are like, really? I was like, yes. Even if it's overcast outside, just get out, even for like 10 minutes. And if you can ground, feet on the ground, barefoot, even better. And some people are like, that's just silly. I, you know, but honestly, it's, it's again, from a hormonal perspective, uh, setting your circadian rhythm up for the day. Uh, it's worth it. Don't take your phone, try and engage with nature. If you can order your own thoughts. Uh, so that's something I'll do each and every day, just literally 10 minutes. If I can do longer, if it's sunny, I'll be out as long as I can be. Uh, but those things, uh, are important. And then I always try and have a really productive morning, right? So you want to make sure that you, you, you know, you feel a sense of achievement each day. So I, I make sure I'm organized, get a really productive morning in, 
like work hard the afternoon i can you know be a bit more relaxed like it's afternoon now here in the uk as we're talking so this for me is great this is this this conversational stuff is easy i don't have to think i can just talk all day so just you know having that baked in and then the other thing i would say is is is, is you know uh, cold showers yeah they they're really beneficial and again it's a really good calibrator to embrace the day so i don't always want to have a cold shower like i you know i know it's going to give me a bit of the shock factor but again it's great from a hormonal perspective a health perspective and also from a resilience perspective it's like right i'm doing it uh, so that's always great to start the day uh and, and get things going and yeah man i think discipline is the overarching thing deciding what you want to do sticking with it even when you don't feel like it that's that's the key even when you don't feel like it. and then eventually you see like these people like jacko willick who are like they get up at 4am and you know, they, they take a picture of their sweat on the floor <laughs> and it, you know, people think, Oh my God, I can never do that. It's so tough. What people don't realize with discipline, once you've done it enough, it's easy, right? right? You just need to do the work to make it like a normal thing. But once, so Jacko, I guarantee you, it's not hard for him anymore. Getting no. up at four and, and sweating the hell out of, you know, lifting loads of weights. I'm sure it was really hard for him initially, but you, you, you stick to something, it becomes easy. So when people were like to me, oh man, you do all these, like you, you hit the gym five days a week without fail. You, it's like, yeah, I do. And it was hard at first, but now it's really easy. You know, I think people forget that. Well, and something, something we said earlier in the conversation that's coming up again here is that I think once you're in the habit of doing something that your body is energized by, it becomes harder to revert back into the unhealthy habit your body will then yeah. start communicating to you like like what was happening to you when you had covid it's like i need to be moving i need to get sunlight i need to be moving around i need to be mm. sleeping well if i'm not doing those things then i'm gonna feel like shit and that's that's not good so it mm. not only does it become less hard it becomes a naturally rewarding feedback loop same with yeah. meditation all this stuff at first it's clunky it's hard it doesn't make sense to us we might need to do something else to reinforce the loop to make it so that we're sticking to it mm -hmm. and then once it once you are doing it consistently same with even removing alcohol probably that becomes the reward in and of itself because you just feel mm -hmm. so good from it and then one other thing i want to throw in there is a couple little things that help with discipline would be then to announce your intention to a friend and hold each other accountable is like a really mm -hmm. simple one yeah. or to add stuff on your calendar and remind yourself because if, if you don't like you were saying if there's no structure there it could be really hard to adhere to a certain schedule mm -hmm. and if you're if you're putting it out there then it's gonna happen at some point so I, I just wanted to interject there and and throw those things in there because I just think it's so important that people don't realize how good all this stuff feels because the, the beginning part of it is really challenging and by the end, it's it's like a non-negotiable way of living. Yeah, man. And the, just to jump on what you're saying, I, I also think another thing is around, you know, looking at how you identify, you know. So so I remember when I was younger, in my 20s, I would like put all my gym stuff out on the floor and be like, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. And then I just, I'd, I'd wake up and be like, nah, I'm going to sleep. And one of the big shifts I realized is I identify as a healthy individual that looks after like that's my identity 
Yes. Um, so weirdly, that just means, well, if that's who I am and that's how I identify, then it's not it's not even up for debate. I just do it, you know, but that that's a shift as well. And, and here's the thing. You don't have to be you can just to say I identify this is who I'm going to be. It doesn't have to be like, oh, I've got to have done the gym for two months before I can identify as a gym. No, no, no. Just say this isn't this is this is who I'm going to be. And then so that that can be a powerful tool as well. And I want to point my listeners to a book that I'm sure most have heard of, but Atomic Habits was a was a oh, great yes. read around this. Yeah, it just That's and great. identity was one of the core points that was brought up or mm-hmm. starting a sentence. I am the type of person that and finishing it how you ideally would finish it. So I am the type of person that wakes up from my workout in the morning. I am the type of person that eats food that is self-serving and helps me feel energized and performs my best at work. If you start to just like write those down, you'll live into those identities. So as we move towards the very end here, I would love to hear you, the first time that we spoke, you recommended, it must've been like 15 books to me. You're just like the energy and enthusiasm about the subject matter is more than evident. It's just, it's oozing out of you. And I want to know if you had to just like, if you had to boil it down to maybe three to five resources, books that you have found the most helpful, where would you point people to? So firstly, um, yeah, reading is a gift, man. Like when I was younger, I just, I, was, I had no time for reading whereas now i love it right because i just, I just have thirst for energy energy information uh so i would say i mean there's there's many genres we could look at here right so i would say if we're looking at nutrition and you know really dialing in on your diet uh there's a book called deep nutrition uh by uh kate shanahan that's definitely one to to look at um the gaps diet by dr natasha campbell mcbride she's got i think five books now but Again, educating yourself on how the body works with food, I think is, is super important. Uh, then it's, you know, mindset. I'm like, well, man, we've got to talk about stoicism. And I think we haven't really discussed it today. But again, it's when we talk about discipline and, 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 and the mind, uh, stoicism has been a real, uh, real kind of, building block for me in terms of understanding how to approach certain things. So you've got the obstacle, anything by Ryan holiday. So the obstacle is the way is probably uh, a, a classic book. Uh, there's a book, I forget the author. I think it's William Irv- Irvine. It's called the stoic challenge. That's really interesting. And it just a quick, quick example. It talks about how he went to the airport to get a flight and the flight was canceled because it was, uh, there was a storm. And he, the, he, the way he viewed it was, uh, it was a challenge from the Stoic gods. And it's like, okay, challenge accepted. Okay, you want to throw this at me? Bring it on. And I love that mindset as in, all right, you want to make it hard? Okay, bring it on. Let's do it. You know, and that, that's such a good mindset shift, right? When rather than be like, oh, and being victim, it's like, okay, yeah, what, what else you got? Keep, keep throwing at me. I'm cool. I, I, I'll deal with it. So again, learning those techniques uh i i think is important uh ironically you know based off the 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 name of your podcast uh you know man's search for meaning is an amazing uh is is an amazing book uh so that's one i definitely recommend 
I'm sure there's like I've got literally like books upon books. I think Atomic Habits is another good book as well. And yeah, man, I, I think you, the gift is when you get a book and you just can't put it down and you, you're just enthralled by it. I think mm-hmm. that's a beautiful thing. Um, and just start with whatever you're curious with, man. Like if you're curious on improving your diet, great. If you're curious on improving your mindset, there's, there's so much out there. And I think the best way to find books is when you listen to podcasts and they, they interview an author. If you, that resonates with you, just, just buy the book. Yeah. Just buy the book and see how you go. And I would say final one would be uh, Sean Stevenson. He's got uh, the Model Health Show podcast. He's released some amazing books. So Sleep Smarter mm-hmm. and also Eat Smarter as well. Um, I would say Sleep Smarter is definitely uh it's it's an easier read it's not as not as chunky and again we've talked about nutrition with uh deep nutrition that book so sleep smart is a great book as well if you want to improve your sleep well if if folks just listened to your podcast and or sean's podcast model health show they would be they'd be on their merry way they'd be in good hands they would probably be informed on all the decisions that they would need to make so i'll just drop in your podcast, Your Ideal Day, is an amazing resource, as is Sean's podcast, Model Health Show. And uh, to that end, where can people connect with you in addition to your podcast, Your Ideal Day? Where can people connect with you online or otherwise? Amazing. Yeah, so obviously uh, there's the podcast, The Ideal Day podcast on all major um, podcast channels, so Spotify, Apple Podcasts, etc., uh you can also check out uh, youridealday.com uh for more information on the podcast and and uh, there's a blog there as well and then obviously we're always on insta always on the gram so there's at your ideal day and through that you can see my my personal uh handle as well awesome adam thank you sir well uh, before i ask my final question was there anything that we didn't cover today that you would like to drop in here do you know what, man? I think there's so much we could go into. And, uh, you know, as and when I'd love to come back on the show. And, you know, there's, there's, there's so much beyond nutrition that is, is great for uh, the body, the mind. I was, I, I was thinking things like, uh, you know, infrared saunas and cold plunge. So there, there's so much there, man. So maybe, maybe there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a part two that we'll delve in and, and talk more about that side of things. Well, as my man Tim Ferriss does, he puts R2 next to things that he didn't get to the first time around. So I'll, I'll put those in the R2 category and we'll definitely talk about all the things that we didn't get to today. And the final question that I ask all my guests, the podcast is called Mike's Search for Meaning. And I'm after the big question, what does it mean to live a meaningful life? And so I'll ask you in your words, what does it mean to you to live a meaningful life? Great question. And you know what? I think that's a, that has evolved in me over time, right? You know, going back probably five, 10 years ago, it probably would have been about superficial stuff like, oh, I have a nice car and a house and, you know, I'm looking good. Now, I think it's the simple things in life. It's, it's you know, when you're giving and you're, you're, you're helping your community, you're helping people, that is such, that is a gift in itself. It's a gift that you're helping them. It's a gift in how it makes you feel and, and just serving, right? And serving can be, you know, big or small. So I, I look at my podcast as serving. You're, you're serving right now to your audience, right? 
giving back and, and serving. And I think that has real meaning, right? Because ultimately you can't take, you know, all your money and your assets with you when, mm-hmm. you, when you cross over, right? That, that, that doesn't mean anything, but it's what you can do right now. And, and also what legacy you can leave, right? So whether that's, you know, how you raise your children and the values you teach them, or whether it's, you know, things that you've been able to build and, you know, put in place for future generations. I always, you know, I, I, I like to look at kind of uh, traditional cultures and understand how they live their lives. Cause I think there's so much value there. Like they're all about giving back to and sustainability and thinking about future generations and how can they, how they treat the land and how that will help the future generations and that sustainability piece. I think that's really interesting. Um, and even with giving, I was chatting, so I was, I was interviewing someone yesterday and we talked about how uh, these primitive cultures would slaughter animals as a, as a kind of sacrifice to, you know, the, you know, Pachamama, like Mother Earth or whatever it may be. And I'm like, I kind of get it, right? Because it's that giving piece. Obviously, you know, they, I don't know if they'd, they'd eat the, the goats or whatever, but I could understand the process, that giving that you know the adding is everything's the you know the circle of life giving back and uh, so I, I i could understand the more i kind of study these cultures i'm like i understand why they do certain things right thinking about future generations giving back to the lands because the land's given to them so for me yeah meaning is about you know being being as best i can in terms of a good person and giving and supporting um you know my community my friends because really you know when you give it comes back to you man it comes right back yeah it comes right back and uh there's you know i get more enjoyment out of the smaller things like when i coach someone or when i get a, a feed feedback on an episode that gives me more joy than buying a new whatever you know yes or, Honestly, it really does. And I, and I think, wow, that's that's what it's about, you know. So, yeah, giving as much as I can, contributing and, you know, having having an impact. And big and small, man, like, I, you know, you always, you always remember when people speak to you, like, oh, I remember that time you did this and that. And it's like, wow, oh, that's, that's so good. I had that, you know, that I could have that impact. So, yeah, that's what, you know, I, I try to serve, I give and, you know, hopefully it makes an impact on people. Amen, brother. Well, thank you for sharing your gifts and your service and all your knowledge and wisdom with uh, my community and my listeners today. We covered, we, we said at the onset, we we're going to cover a lot of ground. There's a lot for my listeners to chew on today. And uh, I really appreciated having you on. I'm grateful that Chris put me and you in touch, man. And uh, one word that comes to mind for me about you is your generosity. It's, as soon as I started talking to you, I could, I could feel your generosity. You want to help everyone out who's in your orbit in any way. And I love also, I want to acknowledge that you are, you're not dogmatic. You want people to think for themselves. And so you're just sharing your experience of things without saying, this is the way it has to be. And mm-hmm. that's a rare trait in today's society. So yeah. I just wanted to acknowledge that and really appreciated having you on, man. Mike, my man, thank you. That's that some lovely comments. And listen, we've got to do round two. It has to happen.
Round two will be on the books. And uh, to all my listeners, whenever you're listening, I hope you have a great rest of your day or night and take very good care. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to listen to Mike's Search for Meaning. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, share this episode with your friends, and leave a review. I look forward to seeing you next time, my friends. And until then, stay safe, stay well, and keep living with purpose. Peace. Thank you.